March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to betonline.ag and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, betonline.ag is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to Land Parties, Episode 8, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your weekend, buddy? Oh, man, it was busy as usual. How was yours, Ryan? It was good. I actually kept it pretty chill. Uh, my dad came in town. He came over last night uh, for a barbecue, but uh, it w- it's been pretty good. I, I got to say, I was watching uh, some of the Overwatch League uh, games this past weekend, and man, I cannot wait to uh, uh, talk about it. They, we've, we've got some some spicy, spicy uh, action going on in, in Overwatch League. But you know, I got to say, this past uh, week's news, we got some we got some really good uh, news and things that we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, just a little a little hint. Um, the Last of Us. I know that you're super excited to be talking about this in a new HBO series with them. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about some uh, some league play, and we have uh, Sean Lazarus in the owner of uh, ShineCon out here in Las Vegas, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. So we'll sit down and speak with him as well. Yeah, it'll be a fun, fun episode we got for you. And you're right, I am super pumped to start off with The Last of Us here. It was announced that a HBO series is coming of The Last of Us. And oh my goodness, Ryan, as soon as I saw that, I was freaking out. <laughs> I I am just super pumped for this. I don't know how excited you are for this, but I am ready. And oh my goodness, let's get this going. Yeah, I it's crazy because this wasn't on my radar at all. I hadn't seen anybody say anything about a Last of Us TV show until literally it dropped on social media. And I was just like, what's this? I, I immediately tagged you in a post because I was just like, I'm freaking out. I know Lucas is going to be freaking out. This is amazing. Here's one thing that, that I'm excited about as far as with this. Number one, the fact that it's an HBO series. If you've played that game, you know that is a raw, gritty game. The story in it is amazing. And I don't really know that there's a better production company to and, and place to, to host this show than HBO. We're going to get that raw and grittiness from it as opposed to, say, like a network uh, station or or a network channel. Um, So I'm happy that it's actually going to be on uh, HBO here. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that have stood out to me from The Last of Us is just the, obviously, the emotional arcs that you see these characters going on. And that's something that shouldn't be rushed. And that's something that HBO has the freedom to tell a very long series here, longer episodes. You know, they could do it over the course of a couple seasons if they wanted to, so that you can get that full emotional depth to these characters, as opposed to maybe a network TV show where they're dealing with time constraints, they're dealing with a lot of other constraints that HBO doesn't have to deal with yeah and i'm also curious to see now they're saying that it it 
should come out sometime in 2021. Uh, however, it could be even later than that. I'll be curious to see how much now are, are they going to stick to the game in that story? Uh, will they expand? Are they going to be including elements from the second one that's going to be coming out here later this year? I, I think there there is a very robust story for them to start out with. And then I'm excited to see where they branch out from that. Do they go back and and maybe they do a, hey, here's how it all started. Maybe they go forward in the future and pull a little bit from the second one or, or even the DLC uh, and some of that stuff. It'll be interesting to see where they take the show. Yeah, you know, initially when, way back when, when they first announced The Last of Us Part 2, my first thought was hoping that they would not focus on Joel and Ellie, that they would focus on another part of the world. The show has that potential to do that, you know, um, and it could be interesting. I mean, seeing how other characters are reacting and surviving in this world, there, there has to be no shortage of interesting stories you can tell there. And it, it could be fun to see them branch out away from the games, uh, see them maybe take some, some different directions with some different characters. You know, I think the, the one trouble you might have is whatever comes first. Like they say, a, a movie adaptation of a book is never as good as the book. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever came first, I think, is always going to have that the biggest emotional impact with fans. So, you know, I, I would be super interested if they started to expand the universe more than the games have. Right. I'm curious, too, because I don't know that they've uh, released any uh, uh, cast members, like who who the cast is. I don't even know if they're at that process or at that point, but it'll be interesting to see who they end up choosing as the cast. Again, this is going to be a vital part of of it being successful you have to have you know what i mean it's like it's got to it's got to be that character but not that exact you know character i'm i'm gonna be honest here one name jumped to my mind for joel and uh, it was apparently the name that the rest of the internet was going after hugh jackman was the first name that came to my mind really solely on his performance from logan okay and, you know, in Logan, he played a very grizzled, hardened, older Wolverine. Yeah. Um, that's all I'll say, just to not spoil anything. Um, but just that kind of sense of, of a haunted man and some a man that's just looking to survive, just, just find another. And even in Logan, you know, he meets a different character that they go on this journey that, that might seem surprising on the onset, which seems to me like it could be set up perfectly for him to play a Joel-like character. Uh, the one thing that I would say is against that is maybe we've seen him play Joel just as Wolverine, so maybe right. they don't want him to just repeat that it just in a different name basically but that was the first name that came to my mind well and and i think too the other thing they have to be careful as far as with that especially when you have such an iconic character such as wolverine you know people when you see him you instantly think you go back to wolverine so you know they may need that separation or or it may not be a good fit strictly because he had such a stellar performance uh, in Logan and has been a part of the, you know, the X-Men and, and, and is very much associated uh, with them. However, uh, don't get me wrong, because he has played other other roles outside or during, you know, even while uh, that series was going on and he's able to pull it off. Hugh Jackman is uh, an amazing actor. And uh, if anybody's got the chops for it, he I, I, I could see it. I could see him playing Joel. That would be amazing. Yeah, you know, the the real interesting one for me is going to be who they cast as Ellie. Yeah. Um, 
that's going to be tougher because, I mean, obviously in the game, she skews younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that they could play around with that a little bit if they wanted to age-wise. But um, younger actresses and actors tend to be more of a risky proposition, it yeah. seems like. They can either be really good or you get, like, the last airbender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Have you seen the latest season of Stranger Things? I have, yes. You know, the um, Sadie Sink, who plays the sister of... And now I'm forgetting both of them. The redhead. Yeah, I know you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, 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 I feel like she could pull off something like that. Kind mm-hmm. of a, a tough, still kind of naive though, kind of character. That that was one of the names that came to my mind for Ellie. Yeah, it, it's funny because like, and especially when you when you're thinking about uh, child actors, uh, like nothing really comes to mind. So maybe they do. You know, maybe they pick someone that has. Because I mean, I think that would be a good pick uh, for Ellie. But you know, again, maybe they just go straight to the drawing board and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's find somebody newer. Let's find somebody that's got uh, less recognition, and let's build that up. Uh, that way, you don't have any. You're not having any of these characters that are being associated with other people that these actors have played. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what direction uh, they go in and not to mention from you know starting here to when it actually releases I can't wait to see them start dropping trailers start dropping who the cast is going to be the hype is real I am so excited for this to be a thing now I need them to go ahead and not do a Game of Thrones to end it like go ahead let's make it good start to finish I'm just saying Um, but I'm excited for HBO and this to be in HBO's hands Heck yes. You know, they have made, between Game of Thrones, I love Westworld. Yes. And you know what? I haven't watched all of the Watchmen series, but I've loved what I've seen so far in that. I am all in on this. Yeah, yeah. Again, we'll we'll keep you guys posted and, and definitely give you guys updates as we get a little closer uh, to this you know, theatrical uh, release, uh, not theatrical release. I'm sorry. This is a TV show uh, on HBO. Uh, but as they start dropping trailers and all that stuff, we'll definitely be giving an update uh, on our thoughts and, and what we're seeing. So uh, fantastic. Can't wait to see uh, The Last of Us. I'm so glad that, that they're taking these solid. Uh, we, I mean, we were talking about uh, we were talking about this with Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Laporte, uh, about um, how good of a story the last of us is and and it's such a it's such a good story it's a great way to introduce people into uh storytelling games and things like that so the fact that they're going to take this package it up into an hbo series uh it's hard for me to see this fail to be honest you know and we we've talked about this before one of my favorite things about the last of us is just the emotional punches it pulls on you and this could be a chance to show those those cynics out there that hey video games can tell a story that's every bit as emotional and thrilling as any movie and as any book out there i think they do i think they do a fantastic job because again they're not really constrained to any kind of hard time limits mm-hmm. you know what i mean they have the freedom to be able to make it as as uh, expansive or or you know short as possible so it's fun that they're playing around with this that they're building this into a series and uh, we'll be looking out for it so ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy that's because they were never meant to be worn that way untuck it shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or shape their shirts are the perfect untucked length with more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. 
try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. And, you know, that's a good segue into our next topic here. Hey, hey. There was a leak of some supposed PS5 specs and a price. Now, of course, with any leak, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, it makes sense on paper, though. Essentially, what you would be getting, if this leak was correct, would be specs similar to the Xbox Series X and... Uh, the big takeaway for me, which I would hope is true, if, if there's anything from this that I hope is true, it's this, is that the price would be four ninety nine, And, you know, we've talked at length about price and about specs. Let, you know, I'd like to just start with price. This leak says 500 That seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, we called this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we figured as much because the it makes sense for it to be $500. Uh, I think it's still consumer friendly people are willing to dole out that cash uh for this system so that does not come as a surprise to me however we'll see again these are just leaks so we don't know if there's any truth to this or if it's just somebody speculating but i wouldn't be surprised to see it uh, drop there uh either that or if you know once xbox uh, they come out with their announcement if they go and say yeah just that's what it was going to be but really we've just been waiting to see what xbox is going to do it so we can go ahead and undercut that price and, and come in hot so we'll, we'll see how it is I'm, I'm excited to to actually see some more of these specs um sony has been super tight-lipped about this stuff so it's kind of i know it's a little bit frustrating it's been frustrating for me it's been frustrating for other people uh but it, it's coming it's coming the 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 conventions are happening. The people are making their announcements. So I can't imagine, you know, full full details coming out here in the next month or two. Right. And you know what? It does make sense in the fact that Sony and Microsoft are competing on horsepower here. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that these, these consoles are probably going to be about the same. There'll be some slight differences, but let's face it, they're going to be pretty close spec-wise. And, you know, the... The fact that Sony has not said anything, hey, Sony, if you don't want the speculation to come out, there's a simple thing you could do. Mm-hmm. Give us anything besides the logo that we all knew was coming. Um, I, I, the, it's kind of getting to the point where Sony's silence is getting a little bit frustrating to me. I, I understand that maybe the coronavirus is, is messing things up a little bit or something, but my goodness, we're we're going to get to April here in a couple mm-hmm. weeks, and we haven't heard a peep from Sony. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the the hard facts that they come out with. I just want to run down a few of the the speculative um, specs that they have down here. They have thirteen point three uh, TF custom RDNA two GPU at one point seven gigahertz uh, with sixty compute units and AMD Zen two eight core three point four gigahertz. Uh, supposedly, um, they're working on boosting it to three point sevens. Um, RAM, their RAM is 16 gigabytes GDDR6 uh, plus 4 gigabytes DDR4, uh, 5.5 uh, gigabyte SSD at 1 terabyte 
dedicated RT and 3D audio sources, 565 gigabyte bandwidth, full digital backward compatibility with every PlayStation console, and held whole, I'm sorry, and handheld for a library of thousands of games on day one. Enhanced DualShock 5 with haptic triggers, heartbeat monitors, and built-in micro... Heartbeat monitors? <laughs> and built-in... I'm sorry, that one kind of threw me a loop. And built-in microphone. And then PlayStation AI Assistant that allows you to change games, create parties, and more with voice commands. Um, for me, again, you're right. This is... This is the the specs are are going to be so I feel minuscule between the two consoles. You're not going to really feel it either way. I think the biggest thing uh, that is going to to push people to go one direction or the other is going to be the games in the library. It, it, that that is always the case. And you're telling me out the gate, which they would have been fools had they not done this. Uh, but PlayStation is going to be backwards compatible, not only from your consoles but also your handhelds as well. That's some pretty exciting news. It is. Yeah, you know, I was going to say the backward compatibility issue is one of those main things that could sway people. And you know what? If Sony would have limited this or if they do limit this, that that they're being fools if they do that. Microsoft's definitely thrown down the gauntlet in that regard. And I think that's great. I think that's fantastic what Microsoft is doing in that area. And you know what? If Sony is going to copy anything, please... <laughs> Let it be that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, though. Just, yeah, after reading this, especially with the DualShock uh, controller, this heartbeat monitor, What? why a heartbeat monitor? Maybe, maybe maybe Nintendo was ahead of the game with the vitality sensor that never came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. That's, you know, that seems weird, though, a heartbeat it, sensor. It I mean, does... I could see you incorporating something like that, maybe like in a stream or something like that, but as a casual gamer. Maybe in a horror game. That's the only thing that comes to mind. Maybe you have to keep your self calm Ooh. Maybe. That, that, Ooh. That's the one thing that comes to my mind. Like somehow your heart rate or your heartbeat affects things that happen in the game. Correct. Now that's pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. I will say this. Sony does sometimes have a habit of introducing a feature that could be cool. Yeah. And then it, it kind of just fades and fades and all of a sudden they haven't mentioned it for years (laughs) 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 sorry vita (laughs) yeah i totally had a vita totally have a vita and then it says it has a built-in microphone too i don't know how well that'll how well that will bolt i guess because i mean a built-in microphone on a controller that seems kind of uh awkward i would think that you'd be plugged in with uh some sort of headset um, so we'll see how, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what they end up, what their plans are to do with some of these things. Again, this is speculative. Uh, so there, this isn't anything that's set in stone, but this is definitely some of the things that I've been waiting to see to get me excited about this console. Cause I already told you, I am buying this day one. I will take the day off. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for this. Let me ask you a quick random question related to this. When Nintendo did their big press conference revealing the switch, it was like two months before actual launch date. Mm -hmm. So if, if Microsoft and Sony do something like that, if they wait till a couple months before they launch their console, do you prefer that? Or do you prefer kind of a longer lead up of starting to trickle out information kind of steadily? Or do you like it all at once? And hey, it's coming in 60 days. Uh, I mean, ah, man, that's, that's a tough one. I want to say that I'd rather wait and them lay it all on us uh, at once. That way I can, because like instantly when they, when they put it out, I'm going to get super hyped about it. And then I'm going to not want to wait very long to convert that that 
that excitement into an actual console that I could sit there and play. So I kind of like that, but at the same time, you know, again, the the waiting is is so hard, and it's just like, look, just just lay it out on me right now. Let me know what I'm getting myself into. You already got my ducket, so don't even worry about that. Just just tell me what I need to hear. Yeah, it's it's a harder wait when the recent history was to trickle it out, right. and now all of a sudden we're just sitting here going. Well, we know it's coming. I mean, <laughs> something's coming. A box is coming. Yeah. We're just not sure what it looks like and what it can do and what its feature set's going to be. <laughs> well, it's crazy, too, because I saw, I saw an article, or it's either an article or a YouTube video, how uh, the, the person was explaining how they think that these, these consoles may actually make uh, PC gaming uh, have a run for its money. I mean, the specs that, you're, you're, that you have in here, I mean, these are basically pcs you know uh so the only difference is that there's a lot less that you can do with them you know they're primarily based for for gaming but uh, i thought it was an interesting article to see you know because what's going inside these boxes are 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 monster monster specs of, of what we've seen so far well, here, here's a question for you, Ryan, because I have not been huge into PC gaming, um, mm-hmm. just mainly out of resources. Uh, you know, part of the attraction to console game for me is just let me buy a console. I don't have to worry about for four or five, six years or whatever it ends up being. When you get your gaming PC, from that build, how long do you expect it to last and run well? Uh, I mean, it depends on what your build is. Like, I, a lot of mine... What I've done or what I went back into, I bought one out of the box, essentially, or, or uh, from the store, pre-built. And what I then did was went in and started replacing some of the, like, the graphics card, memory, you know, stuff like that. I ended up doing a motherboard and basically built a, a, <laughs> a whole different PC. Did you do that right away? No. That, that's it was been over time? Over, that's been over time, yeah. So- Go ahead. So I would say that the one thing that the consoles will always struggle with is that you buy a console and you're locked into those specs. Yeah. And, it, and you know, it seems like in the PC world, you're always upgrading. You're always looking to tweak things, which obviously you can't do with consoles. So, yeah, the, the specs might be on par today. Right. But come tomorrow, it's going to quickly fall behind. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct on that because we know that technology keeps moving forward. Uh, so and, and things become outdated very quickly. And you're right. You can't really go in and do any kind of uh, tweaking of, of any of your internal um, uh, stuff and, and components uh, within these consoles. So it does make them rather limiting when it comes to that. Again, I thought it was interesting that somebody – you know, that was somebody's point of view. Uh, but I, I kind of, I can't see that happening myself. You're right. Cause, cause PCs are ever expanding. I feel like, and you can the day, day one, when new technology comes out, you can get it and figure out a way to implement it into your PC. Whereas a console, you're basically stuck w- with what's inside that box. And, and that stuff's going to get outdated pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say if you're mainly a PC gamer, you're not buying a console to be your main anyway. And, you know, if you're buying a console, you're buying it for vastly different reasons. You know, you're you're not in the PC game for a variety of reasons. And part of the attractiveness to these consoles is it's one price, you get all in on that price, and then you're set, you're done. You don't have to worry about it, you don't have to tweak it, you don't have to think about it. Right, and I think we talked about it last week as well. I can't remember, or either it was with, it was either with you or somebody else, but we talked about the fact that they uh, they are already planning on having 
two different types. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or again, none of this has been confirmed, I don't think. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought it was. I don't know how I feel about that. I. <laughs> I'm always torn on this because it, it's like the the mid-cycle phone upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a half step. If it's all out on day one, I'm more okay with it. Mm-hmm. Just give us all the options now. It does annoy me when I buy a day one edition and then two years down the road you get the next model up. Or I'm like, well, I already spent $500 on, on the base model. Right. And now you want me to come in and – and spend more money on the upgraded version, there better be a very attractive trade-in program if you're going to go that way. Um, I would just rather you give me all the options day one. Give me the the base model and the advanced model and let me decide right up front. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That 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 is definitely the route I would choose. Obviously, I'm going to go for the bigger one mm-hmm. if that is the case because I'd hate to get us, you know, the base model, whatever that model may be. And then, you know, like you're saying here a year or two later, say, Ugh, why didn't I end up getting a bigger one? I'm, I'm kicking myself in the butt because I didn't end up doing that. I learned that lesson a long time ago. If you've got it and you could do it, go ahead and throw down the ducats for the, the mega version of whatever it is that you're looking to do uh, because typically you end up, or at least myself, I'll end up regretting it later and saying, yep. man, I really wish I would have gotten a bigger one. Exactly. And my other worry with that too is like maybe they have a base model so they can meet that price point, but then you find out that base model isn't really <laughs> functional for right. very long. Like that also feels a little dirty to me. Like, like yes, you can get this 500 version, but if you didn't get the $600 version, you're kind of up a creek. Yeah, and and well, it'll be interesting too once these these systems actually roll out. I know that when the PS4 came out, there were some issues with the the day one buyers, uh, blue screens, uh, my CD, my uh, disc. Uh, cartridge got messed up and I ended up having to send it back in and then they end up sending me another PlayStation. So uh, as far as service uh, along that, that was, you know, it, it went relatively smooth. But I mean, we're talking about a new console. You just got your new console like a month later. I'm having to send it in. I was quite upset about that. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, for the most part, it was painless. But hopefully on this rollout, they've learned those lessons. They've learned from that and they're able to have a, a lot smoother of a rollout. Exactly, exactly. And let's move on here to some league play here. Ryan, what a weekend it was for the Overwatch League. Wow, wow, wow. We called it. We called it last (laughs) week. Uh, We said that Paris Eternal versus uh, Philly Fusion was going to, that was going to be a heck of a match. And it was. I watched it, man. They went back and forth. Paris Eternal end up uh, beating uh, Philly Fusion 3-2. They were the, the the jubilation on their faces after they won the excitement, dude. Like that to me was awesome. That to me is is exactly another example of why this is a sport. Uh, because you put so much into it, they realized that the stakes were high there, and they were able to deliver. They were fantastic matches, and uh, wow, it, it was just it was crazy to see. My hats off to Paris Eternal uh, for for finally putting uh, one in the loss column. Uh, sorry, Philly. Uh, <laughs> For them, I had nothing, nothing against them or anything, but you know, you, you got to look at that. So that definitely had a uh, it had a power shift within the standings that actually dropped Philly down to number four. Uh, they were in a number one spot. The one loss dropped them to number four. Uh, Vancouver Titans, they're in uh, the the top spot, but again, they've only played uh, or they've only uh, they're two and zero. 
uh, essentially. So, you know, again, they, they're still kind of earlier in their season. San Francisco Shock, they're 1-0, they're one and oh, so they're in second. And then you have, and here's another team that you need to look at, New York Excelsior. Uh, again, they won They won their matches. They're sitting at third at 5-1. and one. So right now, New York and, and Philly – you know they're they they are the the tough teams to beat. But I'm telling you, Paris Eternal, you guys definitely flexed on them and showed them what's up in league play, play this weekend. Yeah, you know we talk about making your statements. That's a statement made. And yeah, what an exciting match! And oh my goodness, I had so much fun watching the highlights from this one. Right? What what made the difference when you were watching this? What what tipped this match Paris's way? I mean, for me, it's it's always going to be about execution. You know, uh, being able to execute the the strategies that you guys have worked on. You know, clearly. These these teams they're they're watching the other matches that they've had. They develop a strategy on how they're gonna beat this team, or you know, what they think the strategy is gonna be for beating this team. And then it's about executing that strategy. I just think that uh, this weekend they executed that strategy better than Philly was able to do, and you saw it in the play. And, you know, if you're a Philly, what do you take away from this and how do you rebound from this? Well, you, you definitely come off a of cloud nine a little bit, I feel. Um, you know, again, it would have been tough for them to or any team to stay undefeated throughout the season. But uh, I think this definitely showed uh, uh, some damage in their armor. I think this will, number one, reinvigorate them to because clearly especially when you're on win streaks you don't want to lose you don't like the feeling of losing and and you remember that sting and that burn of losing so i think this is going to be a motivator for them uh to push forward i think they're gonna i think they are gonna probably this next match i need to check to see what the uh what uh, week five looks like but uh i think they're gonna come out with a vengeance and they are going to absolutely demolish um you know again don't quote me on that because i haven't looked at the matchup yet uh but i think they're gonna come out with a chip on their shoulder uh here in week five yeah i agree and you know what like it, you never want to lose it's never fun to lose but sometimes you know when you win you start to believe the hype a little bit or you start to think you're a little more invincible and sometimes that loss is that wake-up call or that reminder that hey there are a lot of good teams out there and you can't afford to just try and coast because it's gonna bite you in the behind and uh, yes hey sometimes you just need that that wake-up call Absolutely. I feel bad. Uh, I say I feel bad. But uh, L.A., L.A. Gladiators, uh, they're 0-1. They're sitting at the bottom of the pack along with uh, Dallas Fuel. Let me tell you, though, Washington, uh, Washington, they still they were able to pull off a little bit. I saw a little more uh, action out of them this weekend. And then the London Spitfire. Again, we talked about that. That It was that one match because they were, what, I think at the time they were 0-1 or 0-2 or something like that. And they had that one match where they literally locked down uh, uh, who were they playing? I think it was Washington that they were playing. They they had the you know they moved the cart like maybe four meters if that. And we were talking about that being kind of that uh, that igniter for them to uh, start pushing forward and and them being able to have positive positive momentum. And they've had they have p- positive momentum. They went from down and lower in the pack up to seventh uh, with a three and two record. So they were able to get some dubs this weekend as well. So it's always fun being able to see, you know, that spark being lit underneath somebody or or a team and then seeing them convert that into positive uh, momentum and, and, and get those wins. So 
Exactly. You know, you take early losses, you always run the danger of losing control of your season or losing losing that kind of hope and losing a little bit of that fire. And then you start to go through the motions and then the losses start to pile up. You know, it's it's important, especially if you get off to a less than ideal start like they did, to find that turning point and when you have the chance to turn the corner you have to take it you have to take it you don't have time to just kind of lollygag around and 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 slowly kind of make it you you see that opportunity take the positives and you're saying we're seeing it start to happen these guys are starting to play well and and hey hats off to them for taking advantage of that yeah absolutely i'm just trying to pull up here uh uh i'm trying to pull up next week's uh matchups let's just take a look real quick Okay, we have uh, on Saturday we've got uh, New York Excelsior and Atlanta Rain. Uh, they should be able to handle Atlanta pretty easily there. Oh, yeah. See, on Saturday you also have uh, the Spitfire versus uh, Philly Fusion. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous a little bit for, for London because I know that uh, Philly's <laughs> going to come in with that heat. Uh, but hopefully, you know, again, they're they're coming off this this great confidence booster, uh, especially from uh, this past weekend. So I think they'll be able to put up a, a bit of a fight. But uh, Philly, Philly, most likely will get the best of them right. on that. You've got Paris uh, playing for Florida Mayhem. Paris should wipe the floor with mm-hmm. Florida. Florida mm-hmm. is is one another one of the teams that are sitting towards the bottom of the pack. They've been struggling all season so far. So that should be a, a nice scrim for uh, uh Paris there. Uh then you got Toronto Defiant playing Washington Justice. Uh Washington Justice should be able to get some dubs and should be able to take the win. Uh Toronto's another team that's been uh, struggling as of late. Uh then Sunday you've got London playing Atlanta. That's a pretty evenly matched uh, series there, so that should be a good one. And then uh, uh, to round it out uh, on Sunday, there you've got Boston and Florida, uh, another couple of teams that are both struggling. So hopefully, for one of them, they'll be able to get a bit of a, a confidence boost and uh, move forward with some some positive momentum. Yeah, you know, London and Philly is going to be the match I, I'm going to watch with the most interest. This is a chance for London to show, hey, not only have we made progress, we now belong in that conversation to to work our way up to be in that discussion with the upper echelon of Overwatch. So, hey, it's a chance for them to prove themselves, and, and, you know, Philly should win it, um, but... Never discount a, a team getting believing in themselves, getting getting that hot streak going. No, you're right. Well, I thought the other interesting too, or interesting thing too, is that Saturday prior to the uh, Sunday matchup between Paris and Philly, uh, Paris took on the Houston Outlaws, and we know that you know this season they've been struggling as well. Houston Outlaws actually beat them three zero. Uh, in that matchup on Saturday. So, you know, that's, it's like, you know, really it's, it's kind of a toss-up because, you know, I said Paris is, uh, you know, they're a pretty solid team, but to see them get, uh, you know, the, the floor wipe with them uh, by Houston is is actually kind of shocking, and I didn't see that uh, coming. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the week, week six brings us as far as with the matchups and, and the standings. So it, it's, again, it's been a fantastic start to the season i'm i'm excited to uh see some more and i'm hoping as well uh both for ourselves and and listeners that i'm i'm looking at maybe trying to set up some sort of uh little overwatch tournament or something like that so uh stay tuned for that guys we'll, we'll be posting about that on the social medias uh twitter land parties pod uh at land parties pod uh on twitter or you can hit, hit myself up or or lucas as well 
You know, speaking of Twitter, Ryan, this is a very momentous day here. Mm. I am now officially verified. I've got the blue check next to my name. Hey, <laughs> that's what's up, Mr. Professional. I like it. It's the important things in life. <laughs> hey, nothing. Hey, nothing wrong with that. That's what. Yeah, you have to. You have to tell tell me. Uh, uh, off podcast, how we go about getting that? Because I, I would, I would also enjoy a blue, blue check mark. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we've got a, we've got another special interview. Ryan, do you want to introduce this one? Yeah. So we sat down here with uh, Sean Lazarus. He is the owner and founder of ShineCon out here in Las Vegas. It is an anime, uh, video gaming, uh, cosplay um, convention. Uh, that's out here. It's at the Tuscany uh, Hotel and Casino. It's going to be its second year coming out. We It was awesome getting this. Number one, this guy has the voice of a golden god. Okay, let's just make that clear right now. <laughs> it was awesome, though. He's super down to earth. Uh, let's go ahead and, and, and take it away to the interview. And welcome back to Land Parties. Joining us today, Sean Lazarus, owner of ShineCon Las Vegas. Sean, thank you so much for uh, coming in for this interview. We really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Look, we just want to get right into it. Um, I know that last year uh, was the first time that I heard of ShineCon. I didn't get the chance to uh, go over there and check it out, but kind of lay it on us. Tell us how ShineCon became a thing and, and what it means to Las Vegas. So first, last year, we actually didn't host the convention. I took one year to look around a bit for, I was looking to possibly go to a new venue, but we decided in the end to stay with the Tuscany. I told myself after year one that I would make sure to have at least one year in between to make sure I wanted to put on the best show that I could. So our first year was actually in 2018. Now, as for how ShineCon came to be, so I've kind of run with a lot of different conventions here in Las Vegas. I've worked with Sabacon, I've worked with Level Up Expo, mm -hmm. and I used to work for a bunch of different booths over time. I basically was that kid that ended up just helping out a bunch of different parts of the anime and video game industry. Mm -hmm. So I've worked selling boots, I've worked Weapons Policy AX, I've done a bunch of stuff here and there. After a while, I just kind of realized I've learned a lot about the industry. Mm -hmm. And one of the things for me as well is I have had the pleasure of getting to meet and know a lot of people. So eventually I was like, you know, I've worked for so many conventions, why don't I just make one? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, you said you guys are, so you guys have been, this is going to be your second year. This will be year two, yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, what can we expect this year? I know that, you know, kind of uh, going through, I know that you guys, um, there's a lot of cosplay, uh, anime. I saw that there was uh, video game tournaments. Uh, give us an idea of what we can expect here for uh, ShineCon 2020. So you have your standard stuff for an anime convention. You have your exhibitor hall. You got your artist style. You got your panels. People, you know, hosting different events and uh, entertainment for the attendees. Mm -hmm. But we've also got, we bring our cosplay guests. We have, like, we are bringing back out moderately okay cosplay. We have Zergi, Maguma, a few others coming out. Then we've also got a concert being done by Mystery Skulls. Okay. Very well-known DJ. He's also going to be running the, uh, the after-party music as well at the Nerd. Ah, oh, that's a great place, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. But, uh... We've also got a – so if there's anything I want to talk about, I, I, I always love showing off the VIP pass. Yeah, absolutely. Because year one uh, – it was year one con. I didn't expect a lot of people to buy it, but I th feel like it's a really fun part of the convention. So with that, you get you know your three-day pass. You get a VIP wall scroll. So we design a wall scroll literally just for VIPs, mm -hmm. and then that's it. That, that's all it's done for. Okay. And then also you get free food. 
and alcohol over the course of the duration of the convention. Okay. Most particularly on Friday and Sunday, a mimosa and Bloody Mary bar. Yes. Can't go wrong with that. You know, what did you learn from that first year? And having that year off in between, what what were you doing to make the second season uh, even bigger and better than the first one? First, can I say how I love how you refer to it as second season? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that so much. Season but... two. <laughs> See you next time on season two. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, for things I learned on year one, I learned just how pressing and stressful running a convention can be, but how fun it can be. And since I'm using, since I'm at the same location, I got to learn a lot of the outs and ins on how to actually prepare my programming, uh, things that I need to prepare for ahead of time, organizing the actual layout a bit better. So there was, it was a lot of the uh, the intricate, just small, subtle details. Mm-hmm. Uh, for otherwise, it was kind of what I was expecting going in, but for going into year two. I wanted to try to better the entertainment side of things because as much as I was dumbstruck by how well received year one was, I still, if even if it wasn't to everyone's expectations, year one, I felt I could do better than this. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, it it is interesting. I always admire people who, who organize and, and run these things. It seems like such a... Uh, a huge task there. What's the hardest part about getting this together? Ooh, the hardest part? Uh, I'd say communication. Uh, like, there's a lot of moving parts to a convention, and making sure that everyone's on top of every single job. It's There's so many small pieces that could be forgotten so easily that it's, all right, let's find out the micromanage list. Let's see. Did you get parts A through 27 done today? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait... I thought we were using a letter system. It's like, yeah, we ran out of letters. <laughs> <laughs> let me, Sean, let me ask you, and I know that uh, this has been out in the news a lot lately. Obviously, the coronavirus, I'd be remiss uh, if we didn't discuss it a little bit. Uh, tell me, is that having any kind of effect on uh, this year's convention? Um, I know that there's a lot of bigger names and, and bigger conventions that have uh, uh, closed down. Uh what are your thoughts on, on the coronavirus and, and where we're at, especially with conventions? So as for my thoughts on the coronavirus, well, I'm not one to go outwards on how I feel about things that would be considered political, <laughs> which it's weird to think that a virus could be considered political. Right. But I do think that some things are being a bit blown over proportion. But as well, I am a smaller convention. Like it, it makes sense to an extent for some of the larger companies to pull back because you have hundreds of thousands of people going to some events. I'm expecting around 3,000 attendees for my convention. So even if I was particularly worried, my convention is smaller and is at much less risk than a lot of these other larger conventions. But I still want to make sure that I take all of my attendee safety in mind. So we are considering measures to try to, you know, keep things cleaner and more comfortable at the convention center. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, and and I I agree with you, too. I do feel like there's a bit of uh a... uh, it's been blown out of proportions a bit, but at the same time, you have to take it seriously. Other people are taking it seriously, and and uh, it has those effects. But, again, I, I feel like it, it's a little blown out of proportion, uh, but I, I feel like people are at least responding uh, accordingly uh, to what they're hearing and what they're seeing and whatnot. Um, let me ask you, for the future of ShineCon, what do you what do you see? What do you envision? Let's say next five years, um, you know, expansion, uh, more things that you want to do. Take us through what maybe possibly the next five years looks like for you. 
So the next five years to me is ex- not only expanding this event, but running more events. Mm-hmm. If things go right, I'm planning on eventually running an extra convention here in Las Vegas, another anime and video game convention. Uh, you mentioned like tournaments and stuff. We also run video game tournaments. But I'm thinking about expanding into video game tournaments explicitly, not just uh, anime conventions and the like. Right. But essentially, I'd like to create a circuit of events going on in Vegas over the course of the year. And if things go really well, maybe even expand outside of Vegas and start running, well, national events. Or even working with a few other people who I will keep unnamed in other countries right now. Okay. You know, for someone who's going to walk up to ShineCon for the first time this March, what do you hope they take away? What do you hope they, they get out of their experience? I hope they take away the things that your one attendees did, and that was the overwhelmingly positive environment. If, I, if there's anything that I was explicitly proud of for year one, it was how much of a just good time and genuinely happy atmosphere it was for the first year. Because normally, you know, conventions have a bit of mechanics to it. They, it's, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is a business and it's an event. But the experience was much more intimate for year one. And while the attendance was way higher than even my initial antis- like my initial anticipation, it didn't feel cluttered. It didn't feel stuffy. It felt very welcoming. And I'm really hoping that we're able to reproduce that for people to experience for year two. Go ahead. Oh, when you mentioned that attendance was higher than you were anticipating, was there a moment when you were realizing that, that so many more people were coming in that you kind of sat there and go, oh, man, this might be... The moment we sold out of tickets. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't anticipating a sellout at first? Uh, no. Uh, my, initial, my initial expectation based on a few things that happened, mainly uh, we were not able to market as long as we'd wanted uh-huh. for year one. There were some circumstances that presented, uh, prevented us from marketing as hard as we liked earlier. So I was planning for maybe 800, 900 attendees. Instead, we had about 1,500 for year one. That's awesome. That is awesome. And, and, and I think that's something, too, that we've seen, uh, especially uh, not only, I mean, just in the, the gaming, anime, uh, cosplay community, uh, but something local in our backyard. I feel like people really... You know, they, they do a great job of coming out, uh, supporting the organizers, supporting the people, you know, in the arts that are that are out here. Uh, and it, it's super awesome to be able to uh, uh, see that and see the community uh, out here come together for these events. Again, lay it on us. When when is it? Where is it? Give me all the info. All right. Dropping the spiel here. Yeah. ShineCon is taking place March 27th through 29th here at the Las Vegas Tuscany Hotel and Casino. There you go. There you have it. Uh, Sean, is there anything else that you would would like to add here before we end it up? Uh, Come to the convention. If you don't, you'll be missing out. Do it. We'll be right back. Thanks again, Sean, for that great interview. Ryan, forget Morgan Freeman. I would like Sean to follow me around, narrate a day in my life. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, uh, on a little more serious note, you know, this does seem like another great local convention. I'm, I am just amazed that 
these local conventions put on such a great show just through the artists that they get, some of the guests and panels that they do. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and I talked about this last time, too. I really feel like uh, the Las Vegas gaming community, uh, cosplay, anime, that whole community, they really come out for these local events, uh, which is fantastic. They're supporting artists. They're support- supporting uh, the, the the organizers of the convention, and it's really uplifting and and just positive to see the community come together uh, to help out with these things so that we can do more stuff like this uh, in the future. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's fun to have multiple conventions throughout the year. So there's not just one to look forward to. And, you know, it gives, it gives a nerd like me something to look forward to every couple months, or or in, in this case, less than a month from after level up. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm excited. And, you know, this community just does amaze me. You know, you hear about a lot of things. A community can be toxic in a lot of ways. But these conventions just bring out the best, it seems like, for the most part. And you get you get a lot of encouragement. You get a lot of tips. You get a lot of, of compliments. And you get to see people's creativity through through their cosplay and their artistry kind of come out. It's, it's just amazing. I love walking around there. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'll be fun I, i'm looking forward to uh getting down there hopefully i'm able to uh, get down there and experience it and and maybe we can we can get some uh, interviews or something like that down there as well because i know there's some really uh fantastic cosplayers that are going to be out here uh for that but until then that is going to do it for us guys that is this is episode eight thank you guys again so much for joining us don't forget to follow us on the socials uh at lamb parties pod on Twitter or my personal, Smitty2447. Uh, what about you, Lucas? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lucas Agan. As always, that's Lucas with a K just because I like to spell it weird. And that is it. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. We hope you have a great rest of the week. And we love your faces.